Hello, welcome to the Broken Heart Club podcast episode number eight. And in this episode, we will be talking about how to love yourself, especially during a breakup, because that's something we all struggle with. That's a common problem. Anytime somebody dumps us, we think, fuck, I, I, I hate myself. I don't I, like you, you don't feel a lot of self-love when somebody who promised to love you leaves you. Then you're like, wait, 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 wait. what's wrong with me? Right. Because that, that's that's our first instinct to think like, hey, what's wrong with me? Why did they leave? So that's something a lot of people struggle with. So we will be talking about this in our episode. And um, this episode will even go into how to love yourself in general. When you're in a relationship, when you're not in a relationship, when a relationship is broken. So this episode will focus on all kinds of love and self-love strategies we can use in order to love ourselves. Because I think loving yourself is one of the most quintessential ingredient for happiness. Like, for example, like you could have the best life in this world, but at the end of the day, if you don't love yourself, you won't enjoy that best life you have that much. Because in the back of your head, you always go like, ah, fuck, I hate myself. So I think this is a very important topic. And from somebody... I like I'm I'm what am I what am I saying somebody I have struggled with this a lot during my whole life a lot of things have happened I'm not sure if I'm going to share all that with you but it led me to hate myself a lot and I'm going to be talking about the strategies I used in order to not hate myself and eventually love myself so let's get right to it then I remember a long time ago when one of my exes shattered my heart into a billion pieces and left me. I kept asking her, hey, okay, okay, I understand you want to break up with me, but like, uh, is, there, is there anything wrong with me, by the way? Is, is, am I okay? Like, what's wrong with me? Why are you leaving me? Because when somebody leaves us, our, our first instinct is to be like, hey, 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 what's wrong with me? Why are you going? Where are you going? What's wrong with me? We don't think about the external situation so easily. We think about everything that's going on internally. So we just assume, place all the blame on ourselves instead of looking at the situation from a holistic point of view, like how overall what's going on. Instead of doing that, we just, we just think the problem is us automatically. So during the breakup, uh, I, I asked that ex, ex of mine, hey, wh- wh- what's wrong with me? What's wrong with Obviously, she said, like, nothing, nothing's wrong with you. And then I'm like thinking in my head, of course she's going to say nothing's wrong with me. What kind of asshole will admit that, hey, I'm breaking up with you because something's wrong with you? So I went ahead. I'm like, okay, screw it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask my friends. I'm going to ask everyone. So I asked the postman. I asked my friends. I asked a random cat. Is there anything wrong with me? Obviously, I mean, the answers they gave, I, I, I never really liked. I mean, most people told me that, hey, you're fucking amazing, man. You're amazing. So, some said that more reluctantly than others, but most people said that you're amazing. But even after they said that, I just didn't feel I was amazing. So I did the things that... I do to feel validated. I went on dating apps. I went on dates. 
I looked for validation from women, to, from girls. Like, I went on dates with girls. I didn't even like them. Like, I didn't even like them that much. I'm like, I, I'm just looking for some validation. It's sad to admit it here, but it's been quite a while. So I can admit it here to you guys that I tr tried going on dates just for validation. I just wanted to see that when girls go on dates with me, that means something's not wrong with me. Like, I tried to validate myself externally, and that didn't work because the problem was within me. The problem was internal. Internally, I just didn't love myself. That's why I gravitated towards trying to get my friends to say that I'm amazing, try to get girls to say that I'm amazing. But what needed to happen was that I should have told myself I was amazing. But telling yourself you're amazing, telling yourself I, I love myself, um, don't, you don't think that's going to work. But you'd be surprised uh, what actually works. So I'll, I'll get into that in a while. But I remember I any, any, any friend, any relative you go and talk about your breakup situation, they, they, they always told me this crap about, oh, it's her loss. And I'm like, okay, 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 okay. I, I, I know they're coming from a good place. I know they're just try, they're trying to say something to make me feel good. But it, it never made me feel good when people said, oh, it's her loss. I mean, it's not really her loss if she chose to leave me. I mean, that really doesn't make any sense. Like if you, if you go to a Walmart and buy something and decide not to drink it anymore, uh, because you don't you don't like it anymore. You just throw it in the trash. It's not your loss that you threw threw that milk in the trash. Like you didn't you just didn't like that milk, so you threw it in the trash. It's not really your loss. So that's that was stupid. So everybody in your life can call you amazing, beautiful, gorgeous. I love you. You're amazing. You're best looking guy ever. Best person ever. Most intelligent. Everybody can tell you you're amazing, but if you don't feel amazing, if you don't feel that you're amazing, it does not matter. If you don't feel amazing, then it doesn't matter what people say. If you don't think you are amazing, if you don't feel that you're amazing, then it doesn't matter what people say. People can call you everything. People can call you amazing, beautiful, gorgeous, but if you don't feel like you can call yourself amazing, then it just doesn't work. Because at the end of the day, you're the person that has to say, hey, I'm amazing. Hey, I'm beautiful. Hey, I love myself. If you can't say that to yourself, then that's a problem. And that's a problem I had throughout most of my life. And that's a problem a lot of people have. You know, you know every time like one, one, one small thing that kind of like changed that is I, I would never take a compliment. Anybody who would call me, hey, you're very, very smart, or hey, you're very good looking, or hey, you're whatever, you have good hair, I would always say, no, I don't. I, I, I just reflectively, so what am I saying? Reflexively, I say it. Oh, no, 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 I'm not. Ha, 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 no, 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 it's not. No, 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 this suit sucks. No, no, hey. So we, a lot of people end up reflexively rejecting compliments. You shouldn't do that. Accept compliment. Anybody called you beautiful, be like, thank you so much. You know, thank you so much. Because the internal dialogues you tell yourself is what gets programmed into you. So let's say I give you a compliment. Hey, you're so beautiful. And you don't take that compliment and you say, 
no, 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 I'm not pretty. I'm not beautiful. Then you're telling your head that you're not beautiful. And if, if you tell your head you're not beautiful 10,000 times, what do you think your head's going to think if you're beautiful or not? But regardless of uh, your beauty, when a person is in a relationship with you, decides to leave you, that's when we feel the most fucked, self-love-wise. Because we obviously instantly think about what the fuck is wrong with me to make this person leave. Because, like, like think about it. If a person in a bar rejected you, it, it wouldn't hurt as much. Because this person rejected the 10-minute drunk version of you. Like, you, you got a few drinks in you and you're like, Hey, hey, what's up, girl? And then if that girl rejected you, like, it doesn't hurt that much. I mean, it hurts a little bit, let's be honest. But it doesn't hurt that much because this girl doesn't even know us. This girl only knows a drunk version of us. And, yeah, so it doesn't really matter to you if that girl or guy doesn't like you. Because this girl or guy doesn't even know the whole you. But when you're in a relationship with a person and this person abandons you by breaking up, it, it crushes your self-esteem to a billion trillion pieces. Because this person has seen all sides with you. She's seen, she or he has seen all sides of you, spent countless hours with you, had the deepest conversations with you, peered into your soul, watched you laugh, watched you cry, saw you naked, and then decided, hey, 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 I'm not down for this. So after that happens, you're bound to think, that there must be something wrong with you. Because you're thinking like, oh, he has seen every part of me. He Like, he knows me. He knows my soul. He saw my freaking soul and decided that he wasn't down for this, that he didn't want me anymore. So what do you think, like, when that type of thing happens, we instinctually think that there must be something terribly wrong with us? Because why would somebody leave us after knowing us so well? This person knows the most little things about, little eccentricities about you. How did this person leave? So you feel rejected in a fundamental level. It's an attack on your ego. It's a huge attack on your ego. But we shouldn't really think like that or feel like that because of what I'm about to tell you right now. Something I didn't realize when I was going through a breakup, but now after a lot of research and talking to a lot of people, something I realized. The more someone gets to know you, the more likely they are to break up with you, but only if they're fundamentally incompatible with you. I call this the cracks principle. Okay, okay, let me explain. You're already confused. You want to throw something at me, but let me tell you how I came up with this. At the beginning of the relationship, when the relationship is fresh and new, you guys just met each other, let's say from one to eight months, you've all heard about the honeymoon period. It's the honeymoon period. Everything's so new and novel. You guys see each other. There's so much chemistry. There's like fucking chemistry off the roof you guys see each other look into each other's eyes you're like fuck i love this person so much oh my god it's such a big chemical rush because all the feel-good love chemicals are being released on the highest dosage 
in this period of time and these love chemicals they fuck up our brains so much with love that we don't notice the other person's flaws at this stage we are very likely to see our partners as perfect because we're ignoring all their flaws and this is also called having rose colored glasses it's there's there's a famous saying i heard that in bojack horseman but i'm sure that's not the only time that has been said is that when you wear so during your honeymoon period they say that you wear rose colored glasses when you wear rose colored glasses all the red flags look like flags so that kind of encapsulates what goes through your head in the honeymoon period you're so in love everything's so exciting you don't really notice their flaws you just think they're perfect and you love them so much oh my god it's like you're having a cocaine trip a psychologist i forgot fuck who said that uh one of the, one of the love psychologists was talking about it and he said that in the beginning stages of love love feels like cocaine like there's euphoria there's exhilaration and the later stages of love it feels more like a heroin drip like soothing relaxing safety security so at the cocaine stage everything is on cloud 9 and you will project your ideal perfect person on your partner and they will do the same to you you will end up making caricatures of each other and fall in love with the caricatures not the real person so you're going to assume the very best in your partner even though they haven't shown that trait to you yet like let's say um you don't know a lot about your partner right so you you'll just assume things that you don't know are fucking amazing like you'll assume oh in high school she was amazing in play in kindergarten she was good like whatever decisions she made in her life was is amazing whatever personality traits she does is amazing oh she has a little bit anger tantrums here and there oh that's cute that's cute oh she threw a stapler at a kid's head oh that's 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 so cute oh she was what she was 21 when she did that ah oh, that that girl oh my god i love her so much she's so cute she's so quirky so when we are in the stage any information that comes to us we just assume that it's great oh that's that's good that's cute that's amazing oh he's amazing like we end up excusing off a lot of behaviors that we would not have excused people off if we were not completely deeply in love with them like we would not have excused a lot of behaviors a lot of things they did if we were being more objective so and that's normal and that's there's nothing wrong with that but that's what just happens and as time goes by the honeymoon period ends and the love chemicals start losing their potency it's not released as much anymore and slowly slowly you guys get to see your true selves you get to see her her true self and she gets to see you and your true self and your flaws so you guys start noticing more flaws and cracks and eccentricities in each other and it's it's not a pretty sight for for some these new discoveries are unac- unacceptable so they decide to leave for others these new discoveries aren't a big deal so in the honeymoon period if 
your your partner smoked and you you didn't care because it was the honeymoon period all the you're feeling all the love emotions you're feeling all the chemicals in your head it's so good it's so amazing oh she smokes who cares but later when all that wears off uh when that wears off you end up realizing that you don't really like smokers like slowly slowly her smoking habit will start to become annoying you'll be like fuck why is she smoking i i hate the smell when i kiss her it's kind of gross sometimes blah 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 so it's just everything you start seeing everything for what it really was and what it really is you start seeing the real person and not the fucking caricature you made during the honeymoon period it's and not the perfect person you made in the honeymoon period you start seeing who they really are and a lot of things they do you not might not gonna, might not like during my relate that relationship with my ex we were on cloud 9 everything was new and fascinating we were even stupid enough to think that we were soulmates because we both drank milk tea the same color there was a lot we didn't know about each other and whatever we didn't know about each other we assumed was fantastic oh how wrong we were <laughs> We even made all the mistakes. We called each other perfect. That's actually a deadly trap. You should not think your partner is perfect. You should give them some room to have flaws. Nobody is perfect. If you make up your partner to be perfect, then when they fall short, then you're going to start hating them. Like, hey, wait, I thought this person was perfect. What? So, your partner can be amazing. Your partner can be beautiful, incredible, wonderful, but don't keep calling them perfect you're setting up your expectations too high because at the end of the day nobody is perfect nobody i don't care who you are you're not perfect you're not going to ever meet anybody who's perfect if you meet somebody who's perfect in every single way and has no flaws and no fucked up shit call me i don't know how you're going to call me i'm not giving you a number email me email me okay so in that relationship of mine as time went on she started seeing my cracks my insecurities my eccentricities my flaws and i saw hers she saw how unhealthily i dealt with the uh, tough emotions and how edgy i became sometimes and i saw how unforgiving she was to a person's past actions the only difference between us was that i loved her even after seeing her flaws but she didn't after seeing mine that's why she broke up with me And even when I asked her is there anything wrong with me she said no there isn't and I and I told her I confronted her hey just just be honest I I don't care just be honest with me and she said honestly there's nothing wrong with you there's just something wrong with this relationship and she was right that there's there was nothing wrong with me because we were just fundamentally incompatible the fact that i was politically incorrect and edgy and had a hard time dealing with emotions was a deal breaker for her that doesn't mean i'm worthless because of those flaws and eccentricities because after my ex i met many 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 people who absolutely loved my eccentricities and even helped me work on my flaws that is what you need someone who sees all those eccentricities and still loves and embraces you and is willing to help you work on your flaws with you not not run from it you need 
someone that loves you even after the honeymoon period is all over. When they see the true you, when the rose-colored glasses are off and they're seeing the true you and still loves and embraces you, that's the person that you need. Not the person that uh, in the honeymoon period says they love you so much and you're a perfect person and then when they see the real you after the rose-colored glasses are off, they're like, oh, fuck this, I'm out. If somebody does that to you, they're just not fundamentally compatible with you. You want somebody that even after the honeymoon period loves you the same way. If that person does not love you after the honeymoon period, it just means that you guys are fundamentally incompatible, just like that relationship I had. I was a square peg trying to fit in a round hole. No matter how hard you try, you can never fit a square peg in a round hole. There's nothing wrong with the square peg. The square peg just needs a different hole. There's nothing wrong even there's nothing wrong with a round hole even. So you might just need to find another hole. Or here's another secret. You can make yourself that hole. Did you know that you could be that person who loves you for the real you, for the true you, who loves you deeply, truly, and genuinely, a love that will never falter. That person can be you. And in the next part of this podcast, I'm going to tell you how. Now, the first part of loving yourself is developing a compassionate curiosity around the world. Now, what do I mean about that, compassionate curiosity? We'll get into that in a bit. But when you think about what it means to truly love someone, what does that mean? To truly love someone means that you love that person even with all their flaws and all their eccentricities and all the weird things they do, all the kind of creepy things they do, like whatever they do, you accept them as a whole and you love them. So that's what true love is. So we can do that to ourselves. You can love yourself with your flaws, with your insecurities, with your eccentricities. Now, I'm not saying that you should never stop working on your flaws. Like I had a lot of flaws, such as I had a hard time dealing with emotions and I used to just do erratic things. But now I'm more level-headed. Now I know how to process my emotions. Now I know how to process my emotions healthily. So even if you have a flaw, it doesn't mean you're worthless. It's the, it doesn't matter. You have to embrace your flaws anyway. Now, how do we do that? How do we cultivate that mindset where we look at ourselves in the mirror and look at our flaws and say that, hey, I have flaws, but I still love myself. How do we do that? One of the first things we can do, start doing, is become compassionately curious about everybody around us. So when somebody else does something wrong, when somebody else messes up, when somebody else shows you their flaw, what's your first instinct? Is your first instinct, that guy is an asshole? Or is your first instinct, oh my God, what happened to this guy to make him like that? I've worked in customer service for a lot in my life and I've, known, I've seen a lot of people 
being very, very, acting very, very kooky. A guy comes in uh, wherever and I am there shopping. I'm buying something and he starts screaming at the cashier because she, I think she forgot a dollar or something like that. She she messed up somewhere. Something happened. It's really trivial. So he started screaming, hey, you're trying to fuck with me. Hey. Our first reaction is this guy's a fucking asshole. What what the hell? What kind of like what what did his parents teach him? You know, but we don't think what happened to this guy to make him like that. Maybe something traumatic happened in the past. Maybe he struggled with finances all his life and that was his last dollar and this cashier forgot to give him that. So that triggered something in him and he just started shouting, taking it all out on the cashier. Is that right thing to do? Of course not. Of course not. Maybe he can't feed his baby. He, he needed that dollar to feed his baby. Maybe every dollar counts a lot because he's going through a lot. He can't feed his children. And when he realized a dollar was short, the cashier made a mistake. He lost it. Maybe he was building all that financial stress, building, building, building. And he, he didn't know how to process those emotions. He didn't know how to like talk to his friends about it because there's so much shame on it. He didn't know a lot of things. And he just ended up bursting on the cashier. I, I don't know if that's the case. Maybe he just burst on the cashier for fun. I, I don't know. But you have to realize that the story is so much more complicated than that guy is an asshole. That's why this guy is shouting. Something must have happened to him. So when you keep doing that to other people, when you see other people's flaws and you're like, you're forgiving, you're compassionate. Like, what happened to this guy? What happened to that girl? Like, what, what the fuck happened to make them like that? If you start thinking about that, what the fuck happened rather than this guy's an asshole, then you'll start developing more compassion towards other people, especially the people that are showing their flaws to you. And when you start doing that, you'll start doing that to yourself. So when you, let's say, forget your keys and you locked out yourself, locked out yourself from your house, you're not going to start cursing. Oh, I fucking, I'm so retarded. I'm an idiot. I fucking hate myself. I'm stupid. You're going to be like, okay, uh, my midterms were coming. I was really stressed out. That's why I forgot my keys. So when you start being compassionate over and over and over and over again to other people in their worst moments, you're going to be doing the same thing to you. Because if you go around thinking, oh, this guy's an asshole or this girl's an asshole or this guy's a fucking cunt, this, this girl's a bitch. If you go around thinking like that, you will refocus those lenses back to you. Now, if you think a girl is a uh, quote-unquote bitch because she posts five Instagram photos a day, then something's not wrong with the girl. Something's wrong with your viewpoint. Why do you think that girl's a bitch? Because she posts pictures on Instagram? Why? Why do you think she's a bitch? Because she likes attention? Because she likes getting li likes on her photos? Why? Why do you think that? Maybe because she posts these Instagram photos because she feels lonely in COVID. You know, who, who knows? You don't know the whole story. You don't know the whole story behind this girl. It's so easy to judge, judge someone in a split second. I find my, I used to find myself doing that. Like I, I, if I 
talked to a girl and she said that uh, all her hobbies were taking pictures of herself and posting them on Instagram. I used to think, oh, this girl's so stupid. Who, who am I to say that? You know, <laughs> whatever. She likes doing her thing. What, who am I to say she's stupid or she's smart? Like I was coming from a place of judgment. I was judging her. I was judging her actions. If you judge other people so harshly on little things like that, then you're going to judge yourself really harshly on little things like that. So I want you to really think what you're thinking about other people, what your first reactions are about people. Because I know a lot of people that, um, oh, this person's a conservative? Oh, fuck, this guy's an asshole. That's not the whole story. Why is this person a conservative? Why is this person a liberal? There's a whole story behind them, a whole history that happened, their family, their values, a lot of things. You don't know the whole picture just to get into judgment mode, as in this guy's an asshole because this guy's a liberal or because this guy's a conservative or because this guy drinks beer. Just going into rapid judgment is stupid because you are not seeing the whole picture. You don't know what happened to this person. If somebody has a drinking problem, you don't know what they've been through. You don't know. Dr drinking problems are not a good thing to have, but you shouldn't judge them for being irresponsible. They might have had a really hard life and the only thing that would give them any kind of pleasure is drinking. I'm not con saying drinking is a good thing, but if you see somebody who's drinking, doesn't mean that they're horrible people. It just means they're flawed, just like you. Now, this is obviously not an excuse to not work on your flaws, but I want you to start seeing people in a more compassionate way rather than judging them automatically by your first instinct. Like We end up doing that. I used to do that all the time, not saying I'm perfect. So when you start doing that, you start becoming more compassionate to others, you will be more compassionate to yourself. Now, the second thing we can do in order to love ourselves is to stop betraying ourselves. Now, what, I, what do I mean by that? I'll, I'll, I'll get into that in a, in a moment. But if you couldn't tell by my writing or my podcast, I am very politically incorrect. I say whatever the fuck I want to say. It really doesn't matter. My mouth has whatever, you know. So these traits do not fly with many people in this day and age. Especially I, I live in a country that's very, very politically correct. So a lot of people don't like it, especially that ex of mine. And one day she told me, hey, could you tone down on that? Could you tone down on your edginess? Could you be politically correct like the rest of us? And because I loved her and everything and valued the relationship, I was like, sure, I'll do that. At the time, I didn't realize how badly I was betraying myself by doing that. I, instead of being like, hey, that's just me, I was like, whatever, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I, I betrayed myself. I, I betrayed my personality. I did whatever to try to fit in to whatever she wanted me to be. At the time, I didn't realize how badly I fucked myself by doing that. But ever since then, I know that you have to stand your ground to be your authentic you. 
even being myself doing this podcast, I listen to a lot of dating coaches, a lot of relationship coaches, a lot of breakup coaches. I listen to them. And a lot of them have this really professional-esque, therapist-esque talking styles where they don't swear or they, they, they don't, they, they remain, mm, they remain very, pretty PG. They don't joke around a lot. It's very serious with them. They joke around some, like very rarely they make a joke here and, to, here and there. But me, I'm all over the place. I jo- I've joke around a lot. I swear like a sailor. A lot of my clients have said, oh my God, he swear like a sailor. This is funny. Um, the school teacher, no, not a school teacher, a guidance counselor from a school said, hey, uh, could you not swear in your episodes so I can uh, sh- make my the children here listen to it? And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> you want to you wanna show this podcast? You want to make kids in high school listen to this podcast? What? And she's like, yeah, these kids... They are in high school and this is they're going through their first heartbreaks here and they tend to not take it very well because, you know, they're kids. And if you went through heartbreak, you know how fucked up it is. And just imagine being a teenager and going through a heartbreak. Now think about that. When you're a teenager, you're infinitely more stupid and more brash and more emotional, whatever, right? We all been there. So that and then... That's why she was like, yeah, I really want them to listen to your podcast, but you swear so much. I just can't. I just can't do that. Could you swear less or not swear at all in your next podcast so I can actually show this to my kids? And I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that because that's just not me. I'm I'm always going to swear. I'm <laughs> I'm always going to make a lot of jokes. My humor is always going to be dark. Because that's just the authentic me. Now, I did end up sending her an audio file where I cut out all the swears. Like, I cut out all the swears I said. Like, I did, I gave her the podcast, but I just gave her a link where all the swears are cut out. Because at the end of the day, I, I mean, these kids, they need some help. Might as well, whatever, you know. But I told her, I stood my ground. Hey, on the next episode, I'm not gonna stop swearing. So I can cut out the swearing later on, but I'm still going to swear. It's going to be like, beep. <laughs> it's going to be like, beep. They, they, when I say that word, they, they'll, the kids will know what word I said. They'll know I said fuck or shit or piss or whatever. They term as swears these days. I don't know. So I stood my ground and I didn't do that for the longest time. I never stood my ground over my authenticity ever before before I used to just make everybody happy and before I would have just told this school teacher hey uh, I'll next episode no swearing no bueno no swearing at all but if you're not giving if I feel like if I'm not giving my authentic me to you then it's just not me I'm not giving you me I'm giving you a version I created a bastardized version I created for you and I, if you truly, truly love yourself, you're going to be always your authentic self. You're not going to do anything to try to fit in. So that's something what I would advise anybody to do. As the great Brian Brown said, when you trade in your authenticity for approval, you betray yourself. 
Now, what does that exactly mean? It means when you try to be someone else instead of yourself to please others, you betray yourself. You're subliminally telling yourself by your actions, I'm worthless, hence I'll do whatever the world wants me to fit in. Whatever the world wants you to do, you'll do it. Now, if you do that, like, what kind of message are you sending to yourself? Okay, if the world tells me to bow, I'll bow. I'm not going to listen to myself. So what do you think that does to you as a person? You'll start thinking that you're worthless because you are doing everything according to the world to fit in. You're not doing things because you yourself want to do it. You're doing things because the world is forcing you to do it. When you keep doing that over and over and keep betraying yourself, keep trading your authenticity, you will become a husk of a person. You'll become, you won't be you anymore. You'll just be like everybody else. And what's the fun in that? So you got to embrace your uniqueness, whatever quirky, weird shit you have. You got to embrace it. You got to enhance it even. There is nothing more fun than being completely true to yourself and to others. Just be the real you. You don't need to fake yourself. You don't need to become this person the world wants you to be. You be you. And by the way, if that school teacher is hearing that... uh, Sorry, guidance counselors hearing that at this podcast. I love you, <laughs> uh, but I'm sorry. I'm not going to make an episode where I don't swear at all. That's just not going to happen. That's just not me. There's a lot of other dating coaches, a lot of breakup coaches that don't swear. You can go to them, but to me, I'm going to be swearing. So people do this all the time. They choose a career for their parents' approval and not themselves. They pretend to be someone they aren't to fit in with their peers. They buy things they don't really want to impress people they don't even know. They prioritize other people's dreams, hopes, and values and goals instead of their own. A friend of mine uh, who became a doctor after a lot of hard work asked me, like, it it just befuddled him. He kept asking me, "Ah, man, I'm a doctor now. Why am I not happy? And I said, do you want to be a doctor? And he's like, no. Who? And I'm like, who wanted to be a doctor? He's, he's like, my parents told me to. So he's from like a brown family. Um, and he said, okay, father and mother, I'll become a doctor. And now he's a doctor and he hates it because he never wanted to be a doctor. He, he wanted to be an actor. So I'm like, go try your hand in acting. Simple as that. <laughs> you can keep your doctor job. But uh, try here and there some acting. Go to acting classes. Start your acting career from the bottom up, little by little. Then quit being a doctor after you get hmm, a little bit good at it. Or never quit being a doctor. Anyways, doesn't matter. The, The point is, he did. He followed the dreams of his father. And he's wondering why he's not happy with his life. So don't be that guy. Follow your own dream, follow your own hopes, follow your own values, your own. But sometimes we betray ourselves so covertly, we don't even realize it. So I want you to honestly ask yourself, are your dreams your dreams or someone else's? Are your goals your goals or society's? Is the way you present yourself the real you or a personality you created to fit in? No, no, seriously, think about it. Because 
when I was a kid, my dad instilled into me that I need to be a pilot. <laughs> he just, he was like, oh, you make a lot of money being a pilot. And he, and he's really into planes. And I asked him, why weren't you ever a pilot? And he was like, oh, uh, uh, well, I mean, he didn't have money or some, some shit like that. And he wanted me to be a pilot because that was his dream. And from the day I was born, he was instilling into me, become a pilot, become a pilot, become a pilot. And then when I was 14, I realized, wait a second, this is not my dream. This is my father's dream. So a lot of the times it takes a long while to realize. Another another thing, one of my goals was for the longest time was to get money, to be rich. And that was a goal of mine. I thought was a goal of mine. Then I really thought about it. Who conditioned me into thinking that money was all it takes to be happy? It was the media, the advertisement. I'll get into that later on. But it was mostly celebrity culture and LA. And I got really hooked up on that. To tell you the truth, it all seemed so glamorous to me and uh, all these things were so expensive and I was like, fuck, I gotta buy these things. I need to make money, a lot of money. And I did make a lot of money and I did buy those things and then I realized this is not really making me happy. So we follow the, uh, the society's goals, other people's dreams really covertly. Like we don't even know we're doing it. So Really ask yourself, are your goals your goals? Are your dreams your dreams? Really, think about it. Another poison in our world is the shoulds you hear. Shoulds that uh, get conditioned to us throughout childhood. Oh, you should be married by the age of 30. Oh, you should make this much money by this time or... You should get this job instead of that other one. You should look like this. There's a lot of shoulds that get peddled around here and there. Like standards. A lot of standards. So many standards around you. A lot of shoulds in our society. And it's it's a struggle. It's a struggle to meet all these shoulds. Right? And these standards. You're not setting these standards. Some fucking random person is setting up these standards that you should get married by 30 that you should uh, be rich that you should have a quote-unquote good job that you should do this or blah 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 these shoulds get we, we get from our parents we get from society we get from the media we get from the advertisement i want you to fuck all the shoulds in the ass anything okay th- i'm swearing so much in this episode I'm sorry, the guidance counselor, I'm sorry. But anything that feels like a quote-unquote should, like if anybody says, oh, shouldn't you have been married by 30? Ignore that. That's a should somebody else created. That's not your should. Marry whenever you fucking want. Marry when you're 18. Marry when you're 80. Who gives a shit? Get a job you like. You don't need to get a good job. You don't need to do anything there's no shoulds in life there's no shoulds in life you have your own journey 
and there's a lot of value into that. You you might start comparing yourself to like your friends. Ah, oh, my this friend got into this university. Ah, oh, this friend got this job. Ah, oh, this friend's a doctor. Blah, blah, blah. If you you can't be comparing other people to yourself. You can only compare yourself to who you were yesterday. It's one of the rules from the Jordan B. Peterson's 12 Rules for Life. But I knew about that a long time ago. I think another author talked about it. Anyways, so compare yourself to who you were yesterday, not to who someone else is today. Because you both have totally different lives, totally different journeys. So never compare. It's not even fair to compare yourself to other people. You guys have just different journeys. And another thing irks me. Whenever somebody says, oh, he has a good job now, that usually means that that job is high paying and is somewhere in an office or like a doctor or a lawyer or whatever, accountant, whatever. Oh, he has a good job now. Oh, she has a good job now. Oh, good for her. Nobody asks, hey, she has that job. Is she happy in that job? Oh, he has that job. Is he happy in that job? Nobody asks that if he if anyone's happy in that job. Everybody asks that. Oh, is that a good job? So we are measuring our success through this through finances. Finances of the our career. Yeah, if you try to do what you love, you might you might make a little bit less. But will you be happy? Yes. Try I I have done many jobs that I literally hated and I dreaded going to work every day. Do you think I was really happy those days? No. But everybody around me told me, hey, this is such a good job. This is such a good opportunity. And I just listened. I'm like, you know what? You guys are right. This is a good opportunity. I didn't listen to myself. Sure, if you have like a family and kids and stuff, okay, fine. I get it. Fine. Keep that job. But also start to start doing the things you love as a side hustle. And then slowly get into the side hustle if that makes you a lot of money. Things are not so black and white. I'm not telling you to quit your job you hate. Okay, calm down. Do not quit your job you hate. And then email me, hey, I just followed your advice and uh, I need some money for rent. No, don't do that. Try to figure out what you actually like doing for work and what you want to do for work. And start small. Keep the job you have and start small on the other side hustle. And slowly, slowly, you might get really good at your side hustle and... If you make a lot of money from a side hustle, switch. Quit your old job, switch to the side hustle, and make that your main hustle. Sounds simple. Obviously, it's like the fucking hardest thing to do, but it's worth it. It's worth it. How many lives do we have? Tell me. One life we have. This is all you got, man. Might as well give it all you got. What? You're gonna, you think if you're gonna fail a side hustle, it's gonna ruin your life? No. You just fail. Then you'll try again and again and again. That's okay. So next time, uh, we, we got off a t- tangent here, but uh, next time, if you find yourself doing something, I want you to think about, are you doing something because you quote-unquote should do it or because you want to do it? People who genuinely love themselves don't betray themselves. It's not worth it. Trust me. The third thing we need to realize is how the advertising and advertising media and media of all kinds condition us to not love ourselves. Because from the moment you get up, you're bombarded by an avalanche 
of advertisements. I think every day it's like a thousand. You see a thousand or five thousand ads. The number is totally crazy, and a good portion of these ads tries to convince us that we aren't good enough in a subconscious way. But if we buy their product, we will be good enough. These ads play on our insecurities. There was this very, very successful ad campaign in the country of Bangladesh that pretty much was one of the most successful ad campaigns in Bangladesh history. It played directly on the insecurities of the housekeeper. So in Bangladesh, sometimes the housekeeper is the is the wife. Sometimes it's the older. Daughter, or sometimes it's the on rare occasions it's the husband, or sometimes it's the maid. And in that culture, it's the housekeeper's responsibility to make sure the house is clean. And it looks very bad on the housekeeper if the house is not clean. Like obviously, right? So this ad, when it played, it basically showed that if you don't use our cockroach killer product. Everybody will think you're a bad housekeeper and a bad person. So housekeepers from all over the country bought that spray like a maniac. Like they, everybody bought it. All the wives, all the maids, everybody bought that、uh, cockroach killer. Did that product work? I don't know. But did this ad work? Yes, because this ad hit a very, very hard insecurity. In Bangladeshi housewives and housekeepers, so it hit that insecurity that hey, if I don't use this product, my house is gonna be filled with cockroaches, and everybody is gonna think I'm a piece of shit, and I don't know how to do my job. I don't know how to clean my house. I don't know how to take care of my house because in Bangladeshi culture, it's not like Western culture where people don't really care that much about <laughs> how clean the house. I mean, they they do, they do care a lot. But it's not so connected to a person's principles. You know what I'm like? It's not so connected to a person's principles. The cleanliness of a house. But in Bangladesh, the cleanliness of a house reflects directly what kind of person that what kind of person runs the house. So if the house has any defects, everybody will blame the housekeeper, the housewife. Hey. She has. He, they have a bad.、Uh, she's a bad housewife. She's a bad person. You know. So that ad played directly into that insecurity of Bengali housewives, and that's how they were able to make such a powerful ad. The the best. So advertisers they they figure that out a long long time ago, and they've been using that for a while. Like you know. Buy the Bentley to make everybody impressed. Everybody around your work will be like, "Oh my God!" So these ads are playing on our insecurities. They are making us feel that we are not enough, so we buy their product. Because think about how many products those、uh, Tibetan Buddhists buy in a regular basis. Do, do do you think they have Amazon Prime? Do you think they buy anything? No, they're they're totally content by what they have. They are totally in peace. They, I don't know if they love themselves, but they feel that they are enough, so they don't buy anything that they don't they don't really need. A lot of the times, we're buying things to fill in a void in ourselves. I see that a lot with、um, 
a lot of people, including myself, oh, I feel shitty, let's buy something, you know? <laughs> I feel shitty, maybe Amazon make me will make me feel better. So we, we end up buying things to fill in a void. But if we were truly at peace within ourselves and truly loved ourselves, we would not buy things to fill in a void. I mean, of course you can buy things, buy whatever you need, whatever you like really, really want, like buy the PlayStation 4, blah, 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 right? But don't go buying things in order to feel, fill some kind of void inside you because buying things will not fill any kind of void inside you. you maybe you will be distracted Maybe you'll be distracted for a bit. Hey, this new this new thing I bought. Yay, you'll be happy for like 15 days. Then because of the hedonic treadmill, your happiness base levels will return back to base level. So you will go back to being how you were feeling. The only way to fill in your void is by yourself. Only you can fill in your void permanently. Because it's all always about... Uh, advertisements are always about buying the newest iPhone to be hip, to be cool. Buy the newest Bentley so people will think you got class. Look exactly like our models do because that's the only definition of beauty. That's what this uh, media keeps telling us. It, it never stops. It's a constant onslaught on your psyche. So what effect do you think it had on your subconscious? Huge fucking effect. Huge effect. Now, when you think, now when you look at the scientific literature, you'll see that the more Western advertisements became globalized, the more people got inflicted with eating disorders worldwide. Now, what does that mean? It means that countries that didn't have a problem with eating disorders suddenly started getting people with eating disorders because of the Western influence on their ads. So. When you keep showing people over and over again, like, let's just be more specific with example, like all the ads, the clothing ads, you show, we show women, it usually features a certain type of body, like a thin woman. It keeps showing a thin woman in every single ad, in every clothing ad. So if you keep doing that over and over and over and over again throughout a girl's life, life like a, from the day the girl's born the girl just sees a woman wearing clothes and these women are thin and this girl keeps seeing that ad over and over again throughout her whole life what do you think she will think about the ideal body she'll think that oh i have to be thin i have to look like the woman in the picture it sends a subconscious message to women that they should look a certain way. Obviously, this ad is not literally saying, hey, 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 girls, be thin. Okay, bye. Like, they don't say that. But when you keep showing the same image over and over and over again, it sends a message that, hey, if you don't look like this, something's wrong with you. And even with guys, even with male, male modeling, like every guy's tall and muscular and showing that to men around the world all the time, it does something to your subconscious. You'll think like, you'll start thinking, I'm, I'm like, wait, I'm not fit. I'm not like that. Oh, no, shit, you know? So they these ads don't just sell us products. They sell us ideals. They sell us our goals. They even sell us values. 
Now, I'm not saying these advertisements are the devil's work or they're evil. I get it. It's it's a business. If I wear a t-shirt, it's not going to look as good as if Brad Pitt wore that t-shirt. If Brad Pitt wears a t-shirt, it's gonna the t-shirt will look much more better than me, right? And when people see that ad, they'll be like, fuck, I want to be like Brad Pitt. So if I wear that t-shirt, I'm going to be like him. I'm going to be this fucking cool, sexy guy if I wear that t-shirt. But if I wore that t-shirt and they made an ad, they'll be like, wait, who's this guy? I don't I don't want this t-shirt. I don't want to I, I don't even want to look like this guy. What, what is this? So I get it. Yes, the t-shirt would look better on Brad Pitt than on me. That's why they're doing that. I, I understand. I'm not saying these ads are like intentionally trying to fucking screw us over, but that's just what's going on. And it's fucking up your subconscious. So how do we condition ourselves to love ourselves when every single, every moment of the day, we're getting fucked by these ads and our subconscious is getting screwed? So what can we do? Now, we can do a lot of things. And a lot of those things you guys will see in the next part of this podcast are kind of crazy. They're kind of crazy. But it has to be so crazy because... This advertising and media crap has been ridiculous too. They keep telling us how to look. They keep telling us how to be. They keep telling us what to buy. They keep telling us subconsciously to not love ourselves. So we need to make, do something radical in order to condition ourselves to love ourselves. Now here's what you got to do. Before I get into here's what you got to do, I need to preface this by saying that this, these methods... They are taken from the book Kamal Ravikant's Love Yourself Like Your Life Depends On It. It's a life-changing book. I am giving you guys the methods from this book because this book has worked for me and it has been the catalyst for changing my life and making myself love myself. And a million other people have had the same story from this book. So I totally recommend you read it yourself. Kamal Ravikant's How to Love Yourself Like Your Life Depends on It is quintessential book if you want to learn how to love yourself. But in this and in this podcast, this part of this podcast, I'll be talking about the methods Kamal teaches us to do and my own how my own experience was and what I would recommend also. So the first thing you need to do And yes, you need to do something. You can't just listen to this and you're good. No, you have to actually do these things. And if you do these things, then I guarantee you, you'll start loving yourself more and more. So first thing you got to do is you got to forgive yourself for every little bullshit crap that you did and you feel guilty about everything. The fact that, I don't know, maybe you didn't get into med school and you still feel guilty over that. Maybe you blame yourself because your relationship ended. Maybe you blame yourself because you couldn't be a good son or whatever. Maybe you blame yourself, you couldn't um, keep in touch with your friends. Only you know what you hold against yourself. I don't know. So I want you to ask yourself, what do you hold against yourself? Do you hold against yourself that you quit a job too soon or you don't have a job or that 
you didn't get into a program you really wanted to what what do you hold against yourself really really ask yourself that and what i want you to do is write all that in a piece of paper and say i'm sorry for not getting into med school i'm sorry for not going to prom i'm sorry for being a bad son i'm sorry for blah, whatever just apologize for it in a piece of paper paper apologize for everything that you think you did wrong that you feel you did wrong that you feel guilty over everything just say sorry say sorry and at the end write down i forgive myself at the end of the paper write i forgive myself and then take that piece of paper to somewhere preferably where there's running water there's running water and take it and wrap it around a piece of rock and throw it actually before you throw it you should read that paper again you should read that paper you should read everything that you're sorry for and you should read the sentence where you said i forgive myself read that sentence over and over again i forgive myself i forgive myself i forgive myself i forgive myself when you feel a shift inside you cuz you will you'll feel a shift inside you about forgiveness that a little bit of the burden will be lifted off you you'll feel it it's a feeling you'll get now the first time if you do it if you first time you read the sentence i forgive myself you're not going to feel that much but when you keep saying that i forgive myself i forgive myself then you'll feel it once you feel it then you wrap it around a rock or whatever something solid and throw it in that flowing water and watch that go and you'll feel a lot of burden lifted off you now why does this exercise even work why am i telling you to take a piece of paper write everything you're sorry about and then tell you to forgive yourself and throw it in the running water why why do you think that's this works because the human brain reacts very well to rituals we've been following rituals our whole lives wedding rituals rites of passage rituals vacation rituals birthday rituals we follow these rituals and it helps us shift our minds like think about baptism rituals like they literally soak you in water and take you out and you feel different because it's a ritual for thousands and thousands of years we've been doing these rituals in all of our religions so this will be your own ritual this is your i forgive myself ritual and after this ritual you will find a shift in your brain because we are programmed to feel shifts in our brain after we do a ritual so go ahead do that i forgive myself ritual and move on to the next step now the next step is another ritual spoiler alert so you take another piece of paper yes i know i know another piece of paper yes another piece of paper i hope i hope you're near staples so you can grab <coughs> unlimited amounts of pieces of paper but uh grab another piece of paper piece of paper and don't do it this on the computer or don't do this digitally i want this to be a piece of paper okay all right so in this piece of paper you're going to write you're going to make a vow now in this step we're making a vow to love ourselves now what's a vow a vow is more stronger than a promise a vow is more serious a vow is more important so you're going to make a vow to yourself that you're going to love yourself simple as that 
You write in a piece of paper, I vow to love myself truly and deeply, and then you stick it somewhere on your wall or on your computer. And when you wake up every day, look at that. Look at that piece of paper and remind yourself what your vow was to yourself. I know these techniques are very, very out in this world, out of this world techniques. I know, but this is the type of shit we have to do in order to fight the conditioning we are conditioned. We're conditioned to not love ourselves. So we got to recondition ourselves. And this reconditioning, we'll have to do some ridiculous shit like this. And it actually gets more ridiculous when I go into it more. <laughs> but trust me, really seriously, trust me, it works. Me being a completely scientific guy, these techniques seem like really stupid to me at first. But then I was like, I tried so many things to love myself. Why can't I try this one? Because I tried dating a lot of girls to love myself. I tried buying new clothes to love myself. I tried drinking to distract me from the fact that I don't love myself. I did a lot of things to love myself. So when this opportunity came, I did this too. And it worked. What, what do you have to lose? Try it. Now, we're not even done yet. But I want you to try everything I say. Okay. So the first step is forgiving yourself. So after you do that, you move on to the second step, which is make a vow to yourself. And the third step is actually doing the practice. Now, what's the practice? The practice consists of four parts, okay? So the practice consists of four parts. The first part is whenever you have any time, any free time, if the bus is taking too long, if you're in the shower, if you find your mind wandering, keep telling yourself, I love myself, I love myself, I love myself. In your mind, I love myself, I love myself, I love myself. Keep telling yourself, like randomly, anytime you get an opportunity, tell yourself, I love myself, I love myself, I love myself. And keep doing that. Now this seems crazy. And you might feel like a complete fraud while you're doing it. You might think, hey, I fucking hate myself. How can I even say this to myself? But do it anyway. Fight against your conditioning. Do it anyway. We are forcing your brain to love yourself unconditionally. It will take some elbow grease. We are essentially creating new neural pathways that tell you I love myself instead of I hate myself. So that's the first part of the practice is you, in the moments where you find your mind wandering or you get some free time or you're in the shower or the bus taking too long or whatever it is, you tell your mind, I love myself, I love myself, I love myself, I love myself, I love myself. We're basically rewiring your whole brain into loving yourself. That's it. And the second Second task you have to do for the practice is sit in a meditative pose for five minutes and when you breathe in, think, I love myself and when you breathe out, any thought that tries to counter that message. And you can listen to some soothing instrumental music while doing it. That's, that, that really helps. So when you're in the meditative pose, just relax and when you breathe in, just simply think, I love myself. And when you do that, 
a lot of thoughts are going to try to pop up. Hey, 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 if you love yourself, why'd you do this? Or blah, 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 blah. Hey, hey, you don't really love yourself. Like a lot of thoughts will pop out. I want you to breathe out any thought that pops out. Just breathe it out. I love myself. And any thought that pops out, just breathe it out. Breathe in. I love myself. Breathe out any thought that tries to counter that message. And the third task. Now, this is the most crazy one. The most crazy one. And this is the one that I was most reluctant to do because I felt really stupid doing it. But it really, really makes a difference. So the third task is you have to look into the mirror, then look directly in your eyes and tell yourself, I love myself. And keep repeating for about five minutes. And then you can stop. And don't be afraid to pause and take a moment to look at those beautiful eyes you have. And you can do this while you're naked. And a lot of people, it actually helped them. When they did it naked, it helped them escape embrace their naked body because a lot of people are not very confident about their naked body they're like uh uh looks kind of you know so when you do this exercise while being naked preferably after a shower you'll start liking your body you'll start liking yourself it's just like such an automatic process so yes exactly look into the mirror then directly in your eyes and tell yourself i love myself And keep repeating it for five minutes, okay? That is your third task, and it is very, very effective. And the fourth task you have to do is when you find yourself in a sticky situation with people or life, ask yourself, if I truly loved myself, would I remain in this situation? If the answer is no, get out of that situation, okay? A lot of times in my life, I was faced with that situation and I did not choose to leave. I stayed like, uh, you know, I made that mistake. I I stayed. I think um, one of my exes was telling me how she thought that she hopes she finds a guy who's more ideal for her in, in front of my face. And at that time, I just took it. I just like, I just, I was hurt, but I just took it. What I should have done, I should have got up the table and said, hey, listen, this is what what you said was very wrong, very hurtful. And if you think like that, I don't think we should be in relationship and I need to go. Instead of doing that, I remained in the situation and let her tell me how she wanted an Id- a better boyfriend than me I took it at the time I didn't truly love myself enough to stand up for myself and leave so that's what I want you to do from now on anytime you're in a sticky situation ask yourself if I truly love myself would I remain in this situation if the answer is no then get out of that situation and that's all these methods will seem ridiculous and stupid But it's just us trying to create new neural pathways in our brain that conditions us to love ourselves. The more you do these tasks, the neural pathways of self-love will get stronger and stronger. And in time, it will get easier and easier to truly love yourself and actually feel like you do. So do these tasks for a month till you feel like you love yourself, kinda. And for the rest of your life, 
do one task that resonated with you the most. So it could be the first task, like telling yourself you love yourself in in any downtime, or the second task, if you really like the meditation, the meditative pose one, where you breathe in, I love myself, and breathe out any thought that comes after. Or it could be the third task, where you look into the mirror and tell yourself you love yourself. It could be the fourth task also. So for the rest of your, so do all these tasks for a month, at least two months, however long it takes you to feel like you love yourself. But it really works. I mean, this is, it's fucking works. Worked for millions of people. It will work for you too. But I would say try it. What do you have to lose? You have everything to gain and nothing to lose. What, this will take, what, 10 minutes a day? Like, yeah, so go ahead and do it. And for the rest of your life, just do one of these tasks that resonated with you the most. You can pick and you do that. And that will help you love yourself in a subconscious way because we are so wired to not love ourselves that we have to do these crazy things in order to condition ourselves to love ourselves. So go ahead. Do it. Be a little bit crazy. So what? Who cares? And uh, also, this uh, reminds me of the book The Alchemist by Paolo Coelho. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. The protagonist ventures off to find treasure. He looks everywhere and fails to find it. In the end, he realizes... He is the treasure that he was looking so hard for. So your love story is also like the protagonist's. You go your whole life trying to find someone to love you deeply, truly, and unconditionally without realizing that someone can be you. You are the treasure you've been looking for. Thank you for joining me today. I am what they call a breakup coach. I've been working in this industry for the last three years. I've helped over hundreds of clients get the result they wanted. If you want help with your specific situation, I can totally help you. Because I understand that every situation is different, every breakup is different. There's no one glove fits all solution. If you want your ex back or just want to recover from the breakup, I can help you. If you want advice tailored to your specific situation, email me at brokenheartclubhelp at gmail.com. Again, brokenheartclubhelp at gmail.com. Let me spell it out for you. B R O K E N-H-E-A-R-T-C-L-U-B-H-E-L-P at gmail.com And yes, all the letters are in lower cases. There is no capital letters in the email. I'll probably uh, put my email in the description of the podcast so you can easily copy and paste it. Yeah, so that's it. If you need help, you can reach me there. That's all I have for you today. If you 
like my podcast, like my post, please, 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 please follow me, subscribe to me or whatever you need to do because there will be a lot more future content on your way. And always remember, no matter what happens, you will be okay eventually.